um, I want to start, and one of the things that I have noticed is that I, I cannot compete with Pastor Joshua. Yes. Especially you I cannot. Amen. It is His grace. Mimi I walk a lot. I, I walk. for exercise. Yeah, and it is okay. I also realized I cannot uh, compete with him in what we call the exposition of scriptures. Hallelujah. It's very good for someone to remain on their, on their lane. And so today I want to remain on my lane. Now, uh, we've been doing a series called Living with Eternity in Perspective. And I am almost, actually not almost, I think I am 100% sure that this series has really shifted how we think, right, about uh, heaven and about eternity. And so today, I want to focus on rewards for persecution. Whoosh, my friend. <laughs> persecution, I know Pastor Joshua talked about rewards for service last Sunday. And so uh, today I'm talking about rewards for persecution. And what I want to do, I want to talk as I'm talking now, because I don't want to preach. You know, this is a very uh, sensitive topic and very powerful. So as I was doing research on persecution, I realized in all my life I've never researched on persecution. And it was mind-blowing. I was like, whoa, my goodness gracious. These are the sermons we as pastors conveniently avoid teaching and preaching. Because no one wants to hear about persecution. No one wants to hear that you will suffer at some point in your Christian walk. Not especially in this generation where kila mahali you turn on TBN, you turn on any station, it is God bless you, God bless you, you'll be blessed, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, okay? It's only that uh, they are not telling us the other side of, of salvation, the other side of Christianity. So I want to begin uh, from the book of Mark, chapter 13 and verse 9. So I'm going to take you through a, a mini Bible study. So you're going to have a lot of scriptures that I will read as I try to uh, tell you the importance of persecution. It's a very difficult sermon. <laughs> and why it is important for us to go through persecution and why we should embrace persecution. Ooh. So let me talk about Mark 39. Let me just read. If you're there, you, you can write the scriptures. You don't have to turn, but you can turn if you have time. The Bible says, uh, this is Jesus speaking, but take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues ye shall be beaten. Now please understand, Jesus was not talking about uh, parables here. He was talking about literal beating, kichapo. Okay? And ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake. For a testimony against them. Now, that's my opening scripture. When I was young, when I was a kid, and I was growing up, my mother used to read to me a lot of books. I have always referred to my mother. She was my mentor when I gave my life to Christ. I was very young. I was 10 years. I didn't know what salvation was all about. I was still fighting. I was a fighter. You know, there is a time when I was a kid. 
So I was still beating up people, but I was still saved. And so my mom used to read books and, and mentor me. And one time, she used to read these books that were very powerful. And there are several books. I can't remember the titles, but I remember the stories. And there were stories of persecution. Christians who were going through serious persecution in China and in North Korea. But they had escaped. The ones who had written these books had escaped and gone on to the United States or to Europe where they were, they were afforded some freedom of worship. And there's this time that one of the stories she told me or she read for me about Christians who were arrested in underground churches in China and they were taken to these prisons that were so bad. And when these Christians went there, they were sentenced to life imprisonment. Others were sentenced to 40 years, 50 years. In other words, the government was trying to make sure that how to talk up for your jailer, you will die in there. And so there's this guy now who managed to escape and he was writing this story and he comes out and writes and says that when he got into, one, into this cell, he looked around and found that there were scriptures written on the walls of this cell and the scriptures that were written on these walls were written by blood, using blood. In other words, when these Christians were arrested, they were beaten up, they were tortured, and they were bleeding. And when they went to the walls, the reason why they wrote was to keep the scriptures alive in their hearts and in their spirits. And so where they were bleeding, they would take blood and write. For example, in Psalms 23, the Lord is my a whole chapter with blood. And others were using their nails to, uh, to scratch the walls and write scriptures. That was the face of persecution. And that's what I grew up learning from my mom. Books like I Dared to Call Him Father, about this uh, Muslim girl who gets saved. And then there's a lot of persecution around her. And several other books that were amazing. I don't know whether you've ever studied or come across any form of persecution or even read a book on persecution or met someone who had come from a place or a nation where they were persecuted. I am not sure. But one of the greatest things that, that is happening in our nation today and one of the greatest things that we have to be thankful about in Kenya is the ability to worship the way we are worshiping. This is the, one of the only nations in Africa and across the world where anyone can wake up in the morning and decide to start a church anywhere. Are you together? It is the one of the nations that has the ease of the preaching of the gospel. Today, I want to start a church. And so when the town will hire a hall and you start a church. No one will come to your church to investigate. No one will arrest you. All right, no one will follow you up. Okay? This nation is amazing. And those are the advantages that I look. Now, one of the, let me give you a background of persecution across the world. Okay? I love statistics and I love facts. And one of the things that I came across when I was doing my research about persecution is that 80% of all religious attacks are uh, focused on Christians. 80% of all religious attacks across the world are focused on Christians. Whether it's a an, an, an bomb attack in Egypt against a Coptic church, 
whether it's an, it's an attack in Syria, whether it's, a, it's an attack in Pakistan or China, they are all, 80% of religious violence is directed towards Christians because they are Christians. Not because they have done anything wrong, not because they have broken the law, but because they are Christians. Okay? Right now, there is a friend of mine, I was being told yesterday, that she is almost losing her job in Canada, and they suspect it's because she is a Christian. So they are attacking her and trying to find grounds to fire her just because she's a what? A Christian. Right? So what are some of the effects of persecution in the church or in the world? There are three things that I think grip Christians when they hear of persecution. Number one is fear. Okay, the moment we hear the word persecution, and the moment, for example, Kenya is, it is said it's 85 or 90 percent Christian nation, meaning majority of Kenyans identify themselves with Christianity. Okay, they are John, James, Peter, Andrew, you know, Christian names we identify ourselves with, uh, with Christianity. But then one of the greatest things that we are afraid of most of the times that we never talk about is persecution. What if we had a president, for example, or a, a, an inspector general who decided to crack down on churches and Christians simply because of meeting in churches as Christians? Right? What if there was to begin a persecution of the church in Kenya. What if Simon and some guys were to walk into this church with guns and say, All right, everyone up on the Fajaga Mokoka, Haya, Kamu Mokoka Vizuri, Kujay Pande, Kama Unona, Wewe and Ayesu, Ukikufa Saibuda Ville, Toka into your free. You get my point? What if people are what to walk in here and say, All right, who is the pastor? Haya. So how does your pastor Joshua Father that you're living in a hobby? Alright, I have pastor Kahapo to Kahapo. Are you ready to die for Jesus? And they have this machine gun on me. And then they say, Alright, if you're ready to die for Jesus, kill up your joint stage, kill up your stage. If you're not willing to die today, soka songa uko nyuma. Now a lot of people will say it is wisdom kufanya nini? Kusoka songa wapi? We have to be wise. You know, that's the that's the gospel of today, right? You have to kusiku fair, eh, but you bado jamaliza nini? Ujamaliza kazi. Ni kama hiyo kazi ni ulitifanya nini? Ni ulitipea. Hiyo <laughs> kazi tumepewa, alright? And if the one who gives us the work decides umemaliza kazi, you can't convince him that ujamaliza, alright? But anyway, let me build my case for the police. So there is fear. People get a lot of fear. Number two is anger. Is it anger or anger? Well, it depends. Come out to the primary or primary. We need a primary. Primary or primary. Group of schools, I'm a polling stations. You know, like. <laughs> ah, it depends on the Anger, anger. So, I got angry uh, some years back, I think 2011, 2012, when the Arab Spring in Yamka. And Tunisia, Tunisia was falling, and Libya was falling, and all these Arab nations were falling. But one place in the world was a focus for me. That was Syria. 
all right? Syria and parts of Iraq, when ISIS rose and began not just to take over that, those lands, but to also persecute and kill Christians because they were Christians. And so there was these villages, and they would attack villages that were known to be Christian villages. And statistically, they say that there were approximately that there was a village that had approximately forty thousand Christians, and in the in the following years, there have remained less than three hundred Christians. Majority of them, ninety percent of them, were killed that time simply because they were Christians. And I remember watching some of the of the news, not CNN, not Fox News. They don't show these things, but Christian, uh, CBN, Christian stations. And I would see, and I would see these guys being hanged because they were Christians. This is the modern world. Being beheaded. I don't know how many watch those news, but there were, were others who have been crucified because they called themselves Christians. But the most amazing thing when I saw this is the anger I got. I was so angry. I wanted to talk. I, I wanted to write. I, I couldn't. I didn't know who to write to. I wanted to write to Barack Obama, he was a president then, but I knew my voice was just zero. It's not like he didn't know what was happening. But the world gave it, they just ignored. And that is one of the things that the authors uh, and the researchers of persecution in the modern world say, that the world is silent on Christian persecution. But if a Muslim is persecuted, the entire world erupts. True or false? But when a Christian is persecuted, no one talks about it. The media gives it a blackout. The presidents don't talk about it. When, when uh, back home, upper Kenya, when guys were killed uh, in Man was it Mandela, because they were Christians, we didn't talk about it. The world didn't talk about it. But then when a Danish journalist drew Mohammed as a cartoon, what happened? <laughs> the entire world was in, you know, in an uproar. No, it can't happen. So, in other words, what I'm saying is, as Christians, we are on our own when it comes to persecution in this world. There is no one to defend us. And one of the things that I watched in the Syrian persecution was these guys who were being crucified, and in, the, in that crucifixion, in that cross, they were smiling. <laughs> and I'm like, why is everything? And then there were others who were drowned in drums of water. I don't know how many of you And others would be put in cages. And those cages, Zidarusha and Daniamaji, clear water, so that then people can see them dying. They can see the struggle of these guys dying. But there were thousands of them who died. And the funny thing is, even as they were dying, they were saying, We forgive you! We forgive you! Thousands. Then there were other thousands who, flee, who fled from Syria, went to Europe, went to other countries. Persecution. So I was angry. And that is one of the things that brings out, uh, you know, persecution brings out anger. I was angry. But then I began to ask myself, how are these guys smiling when they're dying? And number three, what it brings is an awakening. Okay? Persecution also brings an awakening. 
For example, sometimes I say, Kenya, the reason why we are not experiencing a great awakening or a great revival is because we have become too comfortable as believers. I am not advocating for persecution, but the Bible does advocate for persecution. If you go to the book of Acts and you read the whole book, it's all about persecution. It's about the church and how they were persecuted. And one of the reasons why the gospel of Jesus Christ spread across the world was because of persecution. The ones who were fleeing from Jerusalem went out preaching to the places they flew to. And they spoke about Jesus Christ. And therefore the gospel spread over. Now, we keep praying for an awakening in Kenya. I have attended meetings. I have even listened you know, part of listening to prophecies that are spoken about the revival. Kenya shall be a springboard of revival to the world. Okay, I've been there. But then we have waited and waited and waited. And I'm not doubting it, but I'm saying maybe we need to go through some challenges as a church. Maybe as Christians, we need to be sifted. We need to be shaken up a little bit. Then an awakening will come. Have you noticed that even in our own personal walk, we pray more when we, we, when we are facing challenges. We fast more when we are in financial crisis. We seek the face of God. We wake up at 4 a.m. And no one tells us to wake up at 4 a.m. when our child is sick. Or we have someone that is sick. Or when our jobs are threatened. But when everything is okay, we say, Kesho namka 4 a.m. Then what happens? I can pray any time, any hour. The Lord does not sleep. Hallelujah. That is when you get the scriptures. The Lord does not slumber. But mashida. Father, Father, have you slept on me? Papa, hear me. Are you together? An awakening. So it brings an awakening in, in, in our lives. Now, I love reading stories and I'll keep referring to these illustrations. There's this uh, guy, his name was William Booth. I think you know William Booth. Uh, if you know Salvation Army Church, then you know William Booth. So William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. And how he founded it was very interesting. Because he used to wake up, one day he woke up, went to the pubs in England. There were so many uh, uh, drunk uh, places to drink, so many pubs. There was no gospel, nothing. So he would wake up, go, go at night and stand at the door of one of the pubs. And he would stand there with his Bible, waiting for anyone to walk out. And when the, this person would walk out, William Booth would begin to preach to him and say, Jesus loves you. Jesus wants you to repent. And many of them kicked him. They spat on him. They insulted him. But night after night after night, William Booth went to that place. Until one day, after several months, this man walks out of the pub and you know, finds William Booth preaching. This man was not the first, it was not the first thing that Uncommon came William Booth. But this day, the guy got convicted, knelt down and prayed and said to William Booth, please pray for me, I want to get saved. And so William Booth took him up, took him to his house, washed him, fed him, slept, woke up the following day. And this guy woke up confused, he's wondering, where am I? And he's, William Booth tells him, no, you gave your life to Jesus Christ last night. So you're going to stay with me for three months. I'm going to train you. I'm going to disciple you. So William Booth sits there, you know, trains for three months and then tells this guy after three months, now I want you to go and do the same thing I did for you. So the guy goes to the pubs again, Palo Lango, begins to do what William Booth did, 
William Booth ago in another corner and they preach and that is how the Salvation Army began. But that is not the end of the story. When the church grew and believers were coming and people were getting saved, then William Booth would replicate the same training and he would train them and he would tell them, now go do what I did for you. And they would go to the pubs and they would sit there and they would stand and they would preach and then people would come. And so they kept sending these people. Now the one of the things that, you, uh, that they noticed is that every time when they go to the pubs, they, they didn't always have good stories. Sometimes they were attacked, sometimes they were beaten, especially the young girls, they were spat on and insulted and beaten and assaulted. And then they would come to the church to give testimonies. And the funny thing is, they would stand and then they would give testimonies and they would say, oh, look at how my eye has been hit for the glory of Jesus. This is the medal that I have won for Christ. Those were the kind of testimonies. Someone would come with a broken leg and they would say, oh, I, today I walked in and I preached and then they came out and broke my leg. Hallelujah for Jesus. They broke my leg. <laughs> so William Booth developed an army through persecution. Such that these guys would face persecution and they would still not quit. They would go and they would get beaten, their hands would get broken, and they would, then they would stand and continue preaching. They would be beaten again, they would be left there to die. Then they would stand again. They would go home, they would not run, they would stand again and begin preaching again. And so the Salvation Army became one of the largest movement in, in their time, such that it became so famous that in America they were writing about Salvation Army, they were writing about this white army. Then, they be, because of the development and because of how it grew, William Booth had decided now it's time to send missionaries across the world. And one of the requirements, the Utume missionary, where you'll be buried. That became Sandubiago Kwebanini Mizigo. If you're traveling, you know how we carry these bags, traveling bags in Afruta, if you're to airport, you know, it's all yo, yo, yo. We invite you a mission, America, hallelujah. Una land, unachukulua na gari, unaenda, kanista, hotel, five star. Now, in the time of William Booth, there was no five star, there was nothing, there were no selfies, there were no phones. What you were supposed to make was a, a, a bag or sanduku ya kuweba mizigo that was enough to bury him in size. And then he would send them, and many would die across, or, you know, across beyond the oceans. They would die. Some of them would die in the oceans. Others would die immediately when they land on that place. They would die, and then they would be buried with their coffins. Persecution. You know, today's church, you tell them, you know, today, and then they would wake up. The funny thing about the old church is that they never had connections. <laughs> today, it's very difficult to go for a mission without connections, right? I have to know someone, someone has to invite me, then when I land, we have to communicate, you know, but the old church used to shut the, the, the mouth of lions. They would just wake up and say, oh, the Holy Spirit has told me to go to Mandera. And no one would question them, so they would wake up, pack their stuff and go to Mandera. Sometimes they would walk along the road, they would meet many dangers, but then they would overcome the dangers and land to the place 
where God told them to land and they would preach. I wonder if many of us today can do this. Wake up one morning and say, all right, now I feel I need to go to Garissa. Why is it that everyone, you know, have you asked yourself, why is it that every preacher, majority of them are being called to go to America? Isn't there, isn't there no need in Pakistan for the gospel of Jesus? More than there is in America. Oh, I hear the Lord calling me to go to Great Britain. Now, I'm not doubting it is God, but it's too much. It's too much. South Africa is the land of destination. In Kenya, we, we are not, you know, Tunenda Garisa, Tunenda. Places that are friendly. Now there are several types of persecution before Nigeria <laughs> comes. Ah, there's an ancient type of persecution. There's the beheading, where your head is cut off. You gladly offer your head to be cut off. There's prison. There's whipping, and there's death at the end of the day. Have you ever watched a movie where someone's head was cut off? Many of us have, right? Have you ever thought of yourself as being that person whose head was being cut off? What would be your last thought? Then there is a modern day of what I call modern day persecution, especially Kamasana Nairobi, the kind of persecution Nairobians go through. Okay? So it's good to contextualize it. The kind of persecution. Nairobians go through just because we are Christians is number one rejection. Right? Rejection. Your application can be rejected. Shame. You can be shamed. Despised. Mocking. Right? So when I talk about rejection, I'm talking about you applying for a job and simply because you're a Christian, they reject your application. You have qualified everything else. I'm at the even take up. They take you in and say, all right, come in. But then the moment they realize you're a Christian, they begin to set aside your ideas. They're not taking you seriously. So then they begin to take you through shame because of your faith. They begin to despise your wisdom and mock you because of what you believe in. They begin to hate you. Then they begin to create false accusations. Are we together? These are the modern Nairobi persecution, you know, that we go through. So you get despised, you get mocked, you get hated, you get uh, into false accusations. Then there's injustice, where things are taken from you simply because you are a what? A Christian. The modern day persecution. But then the problem is this. Many of us have become very wise in surviving under these circumstances. So we don't say we are Christians. Okay? We, if we know company Konashida, we go for the salary because he goes, hey, Mr. Meaning Christo. That has become wisdom. Now, some years back, I began uh, doing management consultancy, motivational speaking, and training, uh, leadership training in different companies. I still do. So if you have a company, Buenas Sana, up in the market, hallelujah. If you have a company, you need management consultancy, leadership training, Niko Hapa, Tuneza Ongea. Amen? But do not persecute me. <laughs> so I began, you know, and I got into this corporate world and I realized that people don't usually say they're born again. So, Namini Kenge Koyo, Esabu, 
So I'll go and introduce myself. Hello everyone, my name is George. Is George. I'm a personal development coach, I'm a leadership trainer, and I'm a management consultant, and then an Amazon. Now, I honestly, deliberately avoided the title pastor. I never even wanted to be associated with pastor or any church. Then I'll go make my money and I'll be happy. And then the funny thing is, after a while, Nikanza went to these places where everyone, you know, everyone is new. So Nepal, my name is so and so. I don't even talk about this, about being a pastor. And then someone would say, Pastor George. I'm like, oh God, I'm here with Sabu. Sabu, end man, you know. Then you go for these interviews to make presentations to these leaders who are who want to give you the work. And then you will find one person who knows you as pastor. They don't even know you as a trainer. No, they know you as pastor. And then they'll be, praise the Lord, my friend. That is where your amen is greatly tested. <laughs> For you to say amen, amen. Or when you receive a phone call and you're with friends who don't even know that you're born again. And then the other person on the other end says, Praise the Lord. What do you say? So, one time, one time we went to do this convention, I am almost 100% sure no one used me as pastor. It was amazing. Then we do this convention, and then this lady walks to me to get a lunch. So I'm walking. And so she walks, hello, hello, sir. Yes, how are you? Yeah. So do not get your girl. So we think another two information about Africa, about reading, about living. And then she goes like, Are you a pastor? The need and the urge to deny Christ was real. Now she tani, she tani think and what happened to anaka to you see, Shetani maybe at the end of heaven, I can be Confronting with a real question. And then maybe the Lord was like, ha, go for it. And then you go up on a very prestigious places. Then someone comes and says, Are you a pastor? Then I'm like, So I debated in my heart, do I say yes? If I say yes, what if she knows me? If I say no, what if she knows me, pastor? If I say no, what will happen? So you can decide, okay. So why are you asking? <laughs> Friend, motive? No, no, no. You just look like a pastor. So how do pastors look like? Like you. So then I was like, hey, okay. Yes, I am a pastor. She was like, oh my God, that is so nice, that is so beautiful. It is so good to see people of God being involved in this. So what I feared most became the most wonderful acclaim, you know, affirmation that it is good for pastors to get involved in these spaces. And I was so encouraged. But my fear was what? Rejection. Shame. If I say I'm a pastor, Will they accept my ideas? Will they accept my opinions? 
And so we are caught up in that, especially people who call themselves motivational speakers. We are caught up on that. And you go to this place, you don't want to lose the deal. You don't want to lose the business. You don't want to lose the money. And so you go and you're teaching and teaching. So they say, I'm going to talk about the principles. I am using biblical principles. But who is this? Who is biblical principles? Niwal principles. If you talk about discipline, for example, and you are not using any scripture to refer to your discipline, will you call that biblical principle? It's a motivational. <laughs> because you are afraid of persecution. Are we together? Same case with our business deals. We, we don't talk about Christ, we don't talk about Jesus. Now, this not, I'm not saying that when I get office, praise the Lord, everyone. My name is George and I'm born again. No, that is not what I'm talking about. Because you are such a man extreme. I'm not talking about you or how you know churches teach that you will be uh, today you are a messenger tomorrow you'll be a manager. No 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 no. And now because you are a messenger you go sit unafika belen unakaa kwa kitia manager and you possess it. That's what I'm talking about. Aya. Unakeni kwa kitia manager unaongea tongues for 10 minutes ramayaki tak possessing the seat of the manager. No that's what I'm talking about. Or, and I'm not talking about you firing the manager. Have you ever heard Christians who are firing? I fire this manager just because she's going through a challenge because she's a Christian. So, what do we do? We turn in the modern day persecution, we turn against these people. So, Menda Gofisi, Jamame Kwambia, Naizo Mahombi, Nombaga Haka, Wacha Kuomba. Ah, where is Sasan? Did come and wash her in Yes. This is a spirit I am confronting. So eventually, the guy begins to persecute you. And then you start praying for him, for him or her to be fired. Am I making sense? Have you ever wondered why they never get fired? Why you end up getting fired as a believer? It's because of what the Bible says about persecution. So let me read you a couple of scriptures to, to show the gravity of persecution. Then I'm gonna do I'm gonna conclude with the rewards for persecution. Okay. So I'm gonna read a longer scripture. Hebrews 11, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30 to 39. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30 to 39. I'm gonna read a few of them. Zikifuatana. Okay. So the Bible says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith the hallowed Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. 
and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yes, moreover, they were bound and imprisoned. They were stoned. They were sown asunder, were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. That scripture is loaded. It is, it is what we want to raise the dead. We want to pray for the sick. We want to be counted as men of faith. And for us, faith is acquiring things. Faith is moving nations. Faith to us in this generation is overturning kingdoms, right? Faith to us is taking what? Cities. Faith to us is going to nations and doing great things for God. What we forget to understand is that faith is also persecution. Faith is being beheaded. Faith is being sown into two. Faith is being beaten. Faith is being rejected. That is faith. So what we do, we preach about faith on one side. But faith is two sides. It is being mocked, being put in prison. This is what the writer of the Hebrews is trying to bring out. That we do not rejoice only when miracles are happening. Sometime back when, the, when Kenya had a lot of crusades happening, people would write on the fly, Come ye all, bring the sick, the deaf will hear, the blind will see, right? And it's amazing. But then when pastors got, uh, began to get persecuted, you know, we start praying witchcraft prayers against the media, for example. We start threatening journalists. Like when this guy, Linus Kaikai, comes out and says uh, this thing about Lina, uh, what Kaikai's kicker. Is it Kaikai's kicker? And then he begins to, to criticize pastors and bishops and says that they are vampires who are sucking blood out of their members. And it was a very serious, uh, well-loaded statement. And what does the church do? We run to Facebook. We run to to all these things, and we say Kai Kai's days, Linus Kai Kai's days are numbered. We cast him, we spoke things about him, and in truth, that may be true, but is it our place? Our place is to accept his persecution and say, I am glad I am being persecuted. Because a time is coming when I shall get my reward. Higher, 2 Corinthians 11, 22 and verse 27. This is Paul speaking. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22 and 27. So today I am not looking at my watch because I don't want to be under pressure. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 11, 22, 27. And the Bible says, this is Paul writing, uh, responding. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I am more. Ha. And he says, in labors more abundant, in stripes, in other words, being beaten above measure, 
in prisons more frequent, in deaths often or often. You see, Paul had died several times, all right, because of his gospel. Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and darkness and nakedness. Now this is Paul giving you his CV. Amen? Hallelujah. How many times have you been thrown in prison because you are Christian? How many times have we been beaten because we are Christians? How many times have we, have we walked naked because we are Christians? How, much time, how many times have we gone on a fast? Not because we wanted to fast, but because we didn't have food. Kunamrashikoko story. Unafunga because of unachap. You know, you don't have food. So you decide, okay, let me just fast. <laughs> in weariness, painfulness, you have been in the deep. This is Paul saying, this is part of the work. Now, if you go to a pros prosperity gospel church, a prosperity uh, preaching gospel church, and you teach this, they will, uh, they will silence the microphone. Because they don't believe in you being naked if you believe in Jesus. They don't believe in you sleeping hungry if you believe in Jesus. I am. This thing is hard. But these are things that the Bible is saying we shall at some time in our lives go through because we have believed in Jesus. And that's what I was teaching some time back when I said, Jesus said, count the cost. Count the cost. There are times you shall have much. There are times you shall have nothing. There are times you shall be exalted. And there are times we shall be devoted. All to the glory of God. Matthew 10, 21 and 23. Matthew chapter 10, 21 and 23. Now this is where Jesus brings it home in one way. Matthew 10, 21, 23. And he says, this is Jesus talking about the last days, the persecution. He says, brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. In other words, Jesus is saying, when you are persecuted, flee. But even as you flee, you will not finish the, the cities or the towns that will want to persecute you before I come back. In other words, wherever you go, you shall be persecuted. You shall be hated. As long as you are a believer, we are a hated people. If you want to know how much we are hated, look at the political temperatures in our country today. Look at the pastor, the canon, who spoke recently on TV. His convictions, the, the canon of, of all things. If you watch that interview, and then you watch the criticism that followed him, you will know we are becoming more hated. 
If you're a Christian and your work is to find people to love you because you're a Christian, then you're not a proper Christian. Matthew 24, 8-10, Jesus again talks. Matthew 24, verse 8-10. to 10. Matthew 24, verse 8-10. to 10. It says, Matthew 24, verse 8-10, if you're writing and turning, it says, all these are the beginning of birth pains. Then, then, you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations. In other words, all people who are not of God, they will hate you. Be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. People hate straight people. People hate people who are straight. Is this guy called Shai Masihiwa, one of the richest men in Africa, but very strong Christian, not ashamed of the gospel, not ashamed of his faith. One time he comes to Kenya, gets arrested because of a traffic offense that he had not committed. And then the police, Kenyan police, they see uh, you are not a Kenyan or a strange number plate, you are stopped. Because when they realize you are not even Kenyan, they say, today the Lord has come, according to them. Now, Stray Masiwa gets arrested, and, uh, you know, gets stopped by the road and stops and says, this police comes and says, all right, we have stopped you because of one, two, three. And Stray Masiwa says, all right, charge me. And the police is like, no, I don't have to charge you, we can talk. And Stray says, okay, what can we talk about? No, 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 you know, if you go to court, it will cost you, you know, the, the normal vibes. Get a court in, it will cost 20,000. The whole story. So Strive is like, no, 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 no. Take me to court. Charge me. Follow the law. So this is a guy who's been arrested. Now, many of us, hallelujah, would quote that scripture that says, agree with your adversary. <laughs> On the way, lest he takes you before what? A judge. So, <laughs> so many of us can quote your scripture to say, Man, maybe what you can be in the scripture, agree. But strive must say, like, no, arrest me, take me to court. And then the, so it begins to cause, you know, the police officer is walking away and then strive like, no, 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 please follow the law. So they decide, oh, okay, so strive must say, calls, uh, he has connection, so he calls. Some guys, they call the police, and suddenly the police changes uh, his story. No, 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 no. I, I was just stopping him for a routine check, you know, and that's it. But then the, little, the, the lesson that I learned from this story is how many of us would stand on our ground? You know, I've been arrested because of a traffic offense. <laughs> uh, friend, I don't know whether to share that. Let me share. For the purpose of context. It was not in my notes, but one time I'm driving along with Yakuwe, I come from a very powerful meeting, you know, we had, it was on a Saturday morning, I was feeling the Lord was with me, hallelujah. Have you ever in those moments, you feel that God is with you, and I feel back of freedom, and I feel presence, you just feel that peace, everything is working. And then suddenly, suddenly, from, from, this police officer, 
crosses the road alivuka barabara yani ana cross the other side ndio anisimamisha sema kutumwa kutumwa hiyo litumwa katumika akasema sawa so he crosses over the other side and stops me and says my car ilikuwa na one parking light ilikuwa ime crack and the guy makes a case out of it and says no this is an offense to here hapa i can't remember what it's called your police station and so so tukaingia akaanza kuniambia do you have 5000 nikamwambia size wote nikwambia i was feeling very nice i was in another world nikamwambia my brother charge me charge me he did nikaenda nikamponya cash bail 5000 and then i appear in court on tuesday hapa kibera i was like all right fine so i appeared in court uh, on tuesday morning kaka kesi yangu ikaitwa and then the unexpected happened the judge says eh hey, we are fining you 20000 or 2 months in prison yeah. Have you ever been with the devil hapo akikwambia nilikwambia nilikwambia ungejisort shetani wanakumbuka nilikwa I told you ungejisort 20000 I didn't have 20000 I had carried 10k because I thought ah hii kesi kienda sana 10000 is what 20000 so kidogo kidogo nimerushwa you know suddenly you become a criminal you are very nice you are a very obedient uh, citizen suddenly you are a criminal and so in court I expressed myself because like ah What? Elfu ishirini ama mezi mbili gerezani. Unaweza jitetea? I have no idea what I said. But I mumbled some words in Kiswahili. Nikashikwa nikasikia nimeshikiwa hapa. Nikawekwa ndani. You see now you're trying to be decent, but these guys nikarushwa huko Kibera nikakuta watu wengi. Kumbe the previous night they had done a sweep across Kibera and so they had arrested all these idlers what will come a little happen tell you so i call my brother so f- 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 my brother was no he wasn't there so call my brother nikwa meingia nimeingia na simu simu ni kama price ni kama sasa wewe ndio king ukiwa na simu so i call my brother nikamwambia eh nimeshikwa find me 20000 was due akaniambia we uko na ngapi nikamwambia niko na 10 haya wacha tungangane sasa niangangane sasa. Mimi kazi yangu ilikuwa kufanya nini? Kuomba. Let me tell you. I have prayed many times in my life, but I have never prayed as much as I prayed that day. I am in prison. It is 1 p.m. So prison will take the government lunch, the workers. So I know for the next one hour niko hapo. Prison imefungwa. We are like 300 men in this room. Tumejazana hata wezi keti. Ukiketi unaketia mwenzako ukitia mwanzako anakugonga so unasema haya polisi anaingia keti keti ni keti na kimti you know so it was crazy so he sat there he nikaanza ku sweat nikaanza kusikia ni kama anagonjeka it was bad so my brother texts me nikamwambia usinipigie simu ni text so ana text ananiambia sasa bank because uh, they are supposed to pay KCB banks mefuk what to make lunch sorry so wako hapo kwa queue the queue is long tungoje tu you know government staff how it works like ngoje tu hawatakuja tu exactly wanakuja tu 30 3 hapo sasa hizo huko kwa conversations nimeanza kuambiwa ikifika 4 kimaria kinakuja
kimbalia kikikuja wewe maneno yako sasa itaanzishwa wate hey. have you ever started regretting why you are a christian siningepewa kana hiyo 5000 nimalize maneno then guys they started telling me three stages that i could have avoided this story one ongea na police mwenye amekushika akishindwa ongea na mwenye anapa cash bill kwake mwendo mwambie sasa ofisa badala ni ndekea receipt ya cash bill sikule ya fotano hiyo hiyo karatasi itole i didn't know third naambiwa ungefika hapa mapema uende kwa ofisi yenye kuna faili yako upeane pesa faili fanye nini Shetani, have you ever had the devil giving you strategies? Then you shall Peter, just to make you feel so bad about your, you being a Christian. So I stayed there, we prayed, I prayed, nikaambia my brother please omba, hapa nikubaya. And then watu wakaanza kuitwa majina around 3:45. So and so out, nikajua bas. Mimi leo naloa jamhuri. But luckily those guys were being taken out wafanya kazi nini kidogo kidogo my name was called nikameza whatever nilikuwa nayo kambia so I, i remembered the stories of bible and the stories of men i knew who were arrested and they preached in prison and they were fighting hallelujah you have to be positive so i said okay i'm going to preach in this prison nikiana pindi jela naingia kani nimeanza kushika neno and then let me tell you Have you ever been excited and happy to see someone you know after just a few hours? <laughs> When I saw my brother, karibu nikimbie nikilia. I was so excited. Nikatoka. Nilikuwa na nuka those few hours. It was bad. So first thing nikwenda nikapelekwa lunch kwanza nitulie then yeye ni okay. Cuz I even had those leeches and leeches that was that one. Yeah, so That is when you come out of that cell and you say, you know what? Sitawezi kwa tena. Haitawahi fika. Shetani anakuambia, eh, sasa unaona. Sasa next time ukishikwa, wewe wewe tena. Jitema pe mama pema. Two months later happens and then this now so you have the memory yeah. mm-hmm. the, i just told the police wacha nikwambie tu officer mimi nilikuwa nimeshikwa hapa miezi mbili imepita tafadhali nisamehe ushitetea mimi sina kitu ya kukupea lakini nisamehe tests very two small tests last scripture Luke 21 verse 12 to 19 Luke 21:12 to 19 Luke 21 verse 12 to 19 But before all these they will seize you and persecute you they will hand you over to the synagogues and put you in prison and you will be brought before kings and governors on all and all on account of my name and so you will bear testimony to me but make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves for i give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict you will be betrayed even by parents brothers and sisters relatives and friends and they will put some of you to death everyone will hate you because of me not but not a hair of your head will perish stand firm 
and you will win life. Now, verse 18, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. So then you ask, how is it that Jesus is saying, not a hair of your head will perish, yet my head has gone? So what do you mean? What Jesus is talking about is the life to come. You will lose your head, yes, but you will gain more than your head. That is what the, Jesus is talking about. So what you have to understand when you read these scriptures is that Jesus is talking about the now and is also talking about the eternity. Alright? You will be in prison. You will even be put to death. But not a hair of your head will perish. In other words, the reward that is waiting for us after persecution is greater. That's why he says in verse 19, Stand firm and you will win life. Now, this was Jesus talking about people who will die for him. People will be imprisoned for him. And this is what I believe as I come to a conclusion. This is what I believe. That when we talk about the rewards of heaven, everyone will not be rewarded the same. Please, excuse me. This is it now. Alright? The rewards of heaven will not be given the same way. Just as I also believe that sin will not be judged in the same way or the same measure. You cannot say that Hitler, seriously, Hitler, Adolf Hitler, atetakuwa judged the same way na Mother Teresa. And just because Mother Teresa was not born again, you know how people argue Pentecostals, Mother Teresa did not believe in Jesus Christ, she did not confess. Sata yeye. I echo in the same category with Hitler. No, I don't think that is. If that is the case, then then God is not a God of justice. Yet we know if we want to measure justice, we must measure it with the righteous judge who is Jesus Christ. Same thing will happen. The rewards that will come, and we shall be given rewards. And I know Pastor Joshua has dealt with rewards, and maybe he will continue to deal with more rewards. But we shall not receive the same rewards. For example, someone whose head was cut off because of Jesus Christ will not be rewarded the same as someone who just came to church and served the church. Am I making sense? Is there a reward for someone who came and served the church? Yes. But is it the same reward with someone who was crucified or whose head was cut off or was imprisoned because of Christ? No. That is why when I read this book called The Case for Christ, and you should read that book, it's a very powerful book, by Liz Strobel, a former journalist uh, who was an atheist, decides to discredit Christianity, marries this woman, and they, they agree, we are Gnostics, we don't believe in God, we don't believe in anything. And so they agree, alright, we are married, sour, even our kids we raise them that way. And then somewhere along the way the wife received Jesus. And she comes home and says, I have, I have received Jesus. And, and Liz Trouble is confused. So he has two decisions to make. He may either flee and destroy his marriage, or he will fight this thing to prove to his wife that what she believes in is false. 
And so because he was an investigative journalist, he puts his skills to work of investigation and he goes to investigate Christianity. This time he did not uh, want to disapprove salvation, he wanted to disapprove Christianity in its entirety. So he questions the resurrection of Jesus. He questions the birth of Jesus. You know those places where our faith looks funny? The birth of Jesus being born of a virgin, all right? And the resurrection of Jesus. Those are the two main contentions of Christianity. Those are, that's where Muslims will hit you, Hindus will hit you with that. So he goes out to disapprove that Christianity is real. But then the more research he does, the more evidence he finds that indeed, Jesus was born of a virgin, and indeed, he resurrected. And so then, he, got, he goes to a place and he, and he talks about, he, he uh, researches on persecution, and he asks himself a question. Why were these people dying willingly? What is it that they saw that drove them to die willingly? And then he begins to realize these men were driven by something greater. There is something they had seen that was more powerful than them. And his conclusion was, if one person died for Christ in history, he would have disapproved it. If two people died willingly, he would have disapproved it. But now there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands who are dying for this Christ, there must be something in this Christ. And he comes to the conclusion of rewards, what is awaiting for them in heaven. Now, there are rewards for every individual who has been persecuted because of Jesus. Now, if you have gone through rejection because of your faith, there is a reward for you. If you have gone through shame because of your faith, there is a reward for you. If you have lost your wealth, because of your faith, because you are simply, and please understand, simply because you are a Christian, there is a reward for you. If you have lost your children, simply because you are a Christian, there is a reward for you. If you have lost your marriage, simply because you are a Christian, there is a reward for you. That's what I'm talking about. Every suffering you have endured because you are in Christ, there is a reward for you. You are fired, you lost your job because you are a Christian, there is a reward for you. If you lose your head today and you are shocked dead, for example, simply because you are a Christian, oh, it is, you will receive the greatest, the grandest reward. Now, this is what will happen in heaven. I don't know when you think of heaven what you think about, okay? But when I was in Bible school and even in Sunday school and even in church school or whatever school, we were taught that in heaven we shall be singing forever. Hallelujah. To daimba, to imbe, to imbe, everlasting, everlasting. And as Pastor Joshua gave us a very good example at the beginning of the year, that 99.999% of your life will be lived where? In heaven. So are you saying we shall sing and sing and sing and sing and sing, sing and sing and sing? What about those who can't sing? What will happen to them? Is it that they receive or they will clap? <laughs> But when I think of heaven, this is, what I, this is what comes to my mind. Think of the earth, Sai. Think of Nairobi, for example. Nairobi city. Just take the city. I want your mind to be there in the city. Right. So when you think of, of the city, Sai, you have to be a pothole, 
unafikiria governor amekuwa impeached unafikiria you know all these political things unafikiria matatus they are kila sami sami yako hapa they have no they don't they disregard people like us you know wewe toka you know there is a lot of chaos but then in your mind think of the most perfect nairobi think about it systems are working matatus are kind Oof. hallelujah wanakuambia tapita pita pita brother wanakuambia lift think of perfect the perfect there is no chaos the streets are clean the buildings are magnified wonderful think of the most perfect nairobi you can think about okay hi have you thought of the most perfect nairobi would you love to live in that perfect nairobi the most perfect nairobi where you can walk no one is attacking you where you can go buy whatever you want to buy with, without hiding your money okay think about that and then think about what paul said no eye has seen no mind has conceived what is in store for we together no eye has seen in other words even your best imagination of a perfect nairobi has not yet reached the standard that heaven is you imagine the most perfect thing on earth and still so heaven heaven will have streets i believe we shall have uh, cafes coffee you shall take coffee in heaven i, I, I really want to take coffee in heaven <laughs> We imagine the most perfect coffee, the glorified coffee, because the coffee tukakunywa hapa has fallen off. Ina itafika glory yake. Just imagine kule sasa unakunywa the most perfect coffee. Goodness. Woof. Hai, ukifikiria hivyo, unataka kwenda heaven. The most perfect when you walk on the streets they are perfect there is gold everywhere you don't have to struggle with dust if if there is dust it is the most perfect dust <laughs> Perfect I don't believe heaven is a city I believe it's a planet Because the truth is you know sometimes I try to think and I'm thinking okay everyone who has died and gone to heaven are you telling me they in one, they in one city If 67.5 billion headed to 8 billion so in this world cannot fit a city see we have to fit a planet so i think heaven is a planet where planet hata si moja ni kadhaa and in those planets there is the perfect nairobi perfect in its glorification of god perfect according to god there is a nairobi maybe there is a new york maybe there is a kajiado there maybe just for imagination And then in this heaven I believe kutakuwa na 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 people when they're in the presence of God and there are others watakuwa in their own presence na huko. Watakuwa heaven. <laughs> Let's talk. Are we together? Just bring it home. This is the most basic imagination of heaven. And we were never taught this. So I believe kutakuwa na watu huko wanakuwa natembea tuko streets wakisemaga eh niache manzeni mliangukia bana ni mko tu sawa and then kutakuwa na wale on earth on this earth they have nothing but in heaven they have everything they have mansions they have estates they have cities that were preserved for them the bible says jesus said lay up your treasures in where where it does not rot there is no moth so now imagine that okay then ask yourself 
where will you be? Will you be in the will I be in the presence of God? Will I be in my own presence na huko? Tunajaribu kutafuta malaika wako wapi? You know? Ati eh, washaenda kusamu mtu mwingine, you know? There will be cities, we shall reign in those cities, not everyone will reign. Not everyone will receive this reward of reigning. Not everyone will receive the reward of ruling with Christ. But those who died because of Jesus Christ will receive the highest and grandest reward. Sometimes I think that is why all the disciples, the 12 disciples of Jesus had to die, had to be killed. Cut off, their heads were cut off, they went through torture, they went through all these things. Because Jesus knew, then they shall reign with me, next to me. Some will, will shine like the sun, others like the stars, and others like the moon. Okay? Some will be in the presence of God, some will be outside the presence of God, and others will be in the darkness. All because of how we live. So, the rewards of those who will, who will get persecuted is number one, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And when I say the kingdom of heaven, I am not talking about heaven, I'm talking about the planets. It's exalted theirs. Matthew 5, 10 and verse 12. So I'm going to give you five things, five rewards. Then I'm done. Five rewards, Matthew 5, 10, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 and 12. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be what? Exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets which were before you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad when they do what? Please, let me hit a bit on prosperity gospel. It does not say rejoice and be glad when you drive a Range Rover. Hmm. It doesn't say that, right? It doesn't say rejoice and be glad when men praise you. Does it say that? No. It doesn't say rejoice and be glad when you have the greatest TV network in the world. Does it say that? No. But it says what? Rejoice and be glad because you have been accused falsely. You have been persecuted. You have been blamed for my sake. Rejoice because the kingdom of heaven is yours. In other words, the planet of heaven is yours to rule. The cities of heaven are yours. The rewards of heaven are yours. The treasures that are in heaven are yours. Number two. So number one reward is the kingdom of heaven. Number two reward is what I call revealed glory. Romans 8.17 Revealed glory. Romans 8.17 And if children, I'm going to read. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We shall inherit. Not everyone again. These guys. If, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together with him. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy 
to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Jesus. Yani, I think we should write a book. I think we should write a book on this. Because then, this is a whole series. That scripture is a whole series. The sufferings of this present world cannot be compared with the glory. I go back to Nairobi, alright? In Nairobi, then imagine the Nairobi that is perfect in heaven. We imagine. We imagine. Then, now imagine, which you can't because our minds are very limited, the most perfect, glorified Nairobi. Think about yourself. Your most glorified self with Christ. I can't even fathom it. I can't even think about it. Like it's beyond me. The glory in which you shall walk in, you who have suffered for Christ, the glory we shall walk in shall be so great that the suffering we are going through today cannot be compared. It cannot be. It's not at because if I suffer for one hundred percent, I have glorified one hundred percent. No, it's almost like if I suffer, if I suffer, if I suffer, for one percent, if I go glorified ten thousand percent, a hundred thousand percent, a million thousand, a million. Revealed glory. I wish I had you know, to spend a little bit on time. And number three, reward. Reigning and ruling. Reigning and ruling. Second Timothy 2.12 If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we suffer, suffer, we shall reign with him. What shall we be reigning over? When you think of heaven, what shall we be reigning over? I believe there are people who shall be given rulership over towns. I believe there are people who shall be given rulership over cities. I believe kuna watu estates, okay? Estate managers are together. I believe you are going to estate, honestly. You are going to estate manager. I believe you are going to be a caretaker. I believe you are going to be people who shall reign over cities. I also believe there are people who shall reign over nations. I believe there are people who shall reign over continents. Hapa, where you are ruling and reigning. I believe there are people who shall reign over planets. I believe there are people who shall reign over the universes of heaven. The glorification. Number four, the riches of heaven are yours. Okay? Hebrews 11, 24, 27. Hebrews 11, 24, 27. By faith, Moses, when he has come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Let me repeat. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Now, I wish I had, uh, you know, you can understand how much Egypt was worth 
at the time of Moses. It was one of the richest nations, the leading, the oldest civilization even today. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Please note your part. He endured as if he could see the one who was invisible. In other words, it is easier to endure any trial, any challenge, as long as you can see God. Okay? And the last one is thrones. Okay? So when someone is supposed to rule, they sit on a what? A throne. Okay? So people shall be given thrones. These thrones shall not be given to everyone. Kuna watu watakuwa na upara mbinguni. Hawana hawana anything. Na kuna wale watakuwa natembea mpaka wanashindwa kuishikilia vizuri. Together. Crowns they are this throne they shall be seated in high places. Have you ever been invited to a wedding? For example, and then you're invited to this wedding and you're asked uh, suddenly una invitewa pale mbele. No, mimi unasimamia umeketi pale mnakula mnaangalia wale wengine wakikula vitu zingine. You know how table wanakula nyama, kuku there's a lot. Nyinyi raia mnakula michele na na samsuki ya nyama. Unasikia tu nyama kwa umbali. But pale high table hapo ndio nyama hii. Hapo ndio nafika. I believe heaven kutakuwa kitu kama hiyo. There are people who will be seated on thrones. The ones who suffered, the ones who were persecuted because of Jesus Christ, they shall be rewarded with thrones. And I tell you the truth, when they sit up there, it shall be much better than down with Revelation 20 and verse 4. Revelation 20 verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them, that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. But they were done what? Beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. And I also saw those who had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their heads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Amen. All right, I am done. Hallelujah. So, we shall meet in heaven at one time. And it's my prayer that even as we meet, nisikue nimi niyahubiri pekea, nimehubiri tu. And then tutakutana huko nikiwa chokora. Are we together? Jesus, Jesus forbid. And that is what Paul was saying. That I may not preach and also do what? find myself on the other side because it is very easy but I also pray that we may not preach and with this knowledge you also find yourself Amen Hi. Now I know that many of you may have some questions which I would ask you to direct to your bishop Amen Then we can clarify whatever it is. But apart from that, thank you very much. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. Amen.